R.J. Barrett out on the right wing, 5.50 to go. Step back three, misses everything. Trey Jones had the offensive rebound, got blocked. Williamson comes up with it and flushes hard with two hands. The sports pan lives here on ESPN-UP in the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon. We're joined by Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal. He is also the beat writer for Northern Michigan men's hockey. Ryan, play to go over as always the last 24 hours. There always seems to be a repetitive news cycle. Let's start with a little football, though. New college football playoff rankings came out last night. Really no surprises in the top four. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, followed by Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, and UCF. If UCF can't jump Michigan after what happened on Saturday, that's an indicator they will never be a considered playoff team. That That's my one takeaway from that. Another is Georgia is better than Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, and UCF, even if they lose I still want Georgia in the college football playoff Saturday. You, do you want them in, or do you think they're going to be in? I don't think they will, but I want them in. I think they're a better team than anybody else they could put up there. Okay. I, uh, I think they're going to be, if they lose to Alabama, they'll be the last team out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the, the big three will be established. Clemson's going to be fine in the ACC, ACC championship. And then it's going to be, I think, between Oklahoma and Ohio State. Um, wouldn't it be something if Northwestern beat Ohio State. <laughs> and the thing is, I know it sounds far-fetched. It's but not. It's not completely. Yeah. Northwestern pulls upsets all the Absolutely time. Absolutely they do. And uh, so, and, you know, Ohio State's, like, might still be on the high of beating Michigan, mm-hmm. and Northwestern's so apt to be an indie for the mm-hmm. Big Ten Championship. They could be ready to go. Like, oh, they're right just happy away. to be there. Yeah, yeah. So they have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it's a distinct possibility. I... I think Ohio State's going to win. I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be a blowout by any means. I, I think ultimately Ohio State's going to get that last spot. The thing is with championship games, they either hurt you or they help you. Mm-hmm. And having a championship game when you're, you know, trying to get in helps you if you win. It hurts you if you're Georgia or Alabama because you're playing each other. You lose. You you're most likely not going to get into the playoff. The only exception was when Alabama had that happen last year and they lucked out and got in the four spot, which people complained about. I did because mm-hmm. in my opinion, if you make it to your ass, you make it into a conference championship game and you lose it, you don't belong in the college football playoff mm-hmm. with the, with the SEC championship winner that be you. I think that's, I think there's something flawed there with UCF. I think they're not going to get in until it expands to eight. And that's ultimately what I think it's going to do and what it needs to do mm-hmm. because there's always going to be, you know, a couple other one-loss teams that don't get in, and they're going to have a legitimate case for not being in there. And, you know, you're always going to have that debate of who should be in, but if you expand it to eight, you make it a lot more fair than everybody else. I know they wanted to start with four and see how it went because they're very cautious about things, mm-hmm. but it's, all, it's been such an overwhelming success that I think it's going to go to eight. And what I think will also help is the fact that Notre Dame's in it because now people are saying you had an independent team took a spot away from a Power 5 conference, mm-hmm. so now there's going to be a lot of Power 5 bickering that they should be getting a spot to, and I think that'll help them. You know, UCF, they, you know, you can laugh all you want that, uh, you know, they don't belong in the playoff, but they're 
they went undefeated last year. Mm -hmm. They're doing okay now. You can make the case that they could be in there. But I think if it gets to eight, that will give them their spot. Then they can say then they can prove themselves because you can't really prove yourself if you're undefeated and you keep getting left out in the cold. I mean, that's what, that was Boise State's for the longest time mm -hmm. is that, you know, people didn't respect them enough and they were, tw you know, they'd go 12-0 and 0 and then have to play, and I don't know, the Holiday Bowl or something like that every year and they finally got into the BCS and then they were in it every year. So I, I, I think it'll eventually go to eight. What year was it that TCU was ranked third in the country and they were 12-0, and 0, they were undefeated, and they got left out of the national championship, got picked for the Rose Bowl, and they were fine with it because they'd never been that good in football it, before. Was that like 2010, 11, something like that? I can't remember when it was exactly. It was around 10, 11, 12, something mm -hmm. like that. They beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, which made me happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's... I mean, they're thrilled because they're happy to be there. And I think that's what Central Florida is going to be. But, you know, eventually you're like, okay, how many years do we have to be undefeated before we finally get some respect? Because if you go undefeated, I think you need to be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You can say, oh, you're, you know, you're from, you know, the American Conference. So you're from Conference USA or something like that. But you should at least be considered. Right. It, you're, you're quote, strength of schedule or what conference you're in shouldn't be, like, completely thrown out the window. You still went undefeated. You had a great year. You should at least be in the conversation. And that's why I want it to be eight, because I think I'm not the kind of guy who wants everybody to be happy and, like, the whole participation trophy thing. Mm -hmm. But if you have eight... You have a lot of more teams that can make the claim for a national title and will get the chance to compete for one, mm -hmm. and it just and it's going to make you more money, you know. And ultimately, you're going to have to dump the championship games, the conference, to be able to accommodate that. Absolutely. And I think realizing the money you're going to make from a college football playoff, that's going to offset losing the championship games. Well, those conference championship games become obsolete in a situation like this because right now it's just an extra game for you to lose. Basically, you get penalized for being one of the best teams in your conference if you don't win it. That could be what happens to Georgia right now. I still think they're one of the top four teams in they the are. country, maybe even higher than that, but they may not get in if they lose on Saturday because they have to go up against the juggernaut, well-oiled machine that is Alabama. And... Uh... That's unfortunate because I like Georgia. I think mm -hmm. they're a great team, and uh, you know I was pulling for them last year. I I don't pull for Alabama ever. Yeah. I you know I actually used to like them when they first got you know Saban there and they beat Texas in the championship. That was kind of fun. But it's just like now that there's nothing likable yeah. <laughs> about that program anymore. So it's uh, I it's it'll be unfortunate if they lose that game that they'll be on the outside looking in most likely and. That, I think it'll actually annoy more people if they still end up being in the four spot because then just be like, okay, <laughs> you just lost. Why are you in the college football playoff? But, uh, yeah, I I used to love big you know championship games, and when the Big Ten got theirs, I thought that was cool because mm -hmm. I lived in India at the time, and I thought, hey, that's a cool event to go to. But with the playoff now, I'm less and less likely to like championship games just because i think it hurts you in the long run mm -hmm. and um but eventually i think they'll go away so how different would college football be this year if we still had the old two-team bcs championship format i wonder if we had that in our current situation i almost wonder if a season like this where only two teams could go and notre dame would probably be the odd man out between alabama and clemson for one thing people will 
think Alabama and Clemson are better for another, they both play in a conference championship. I wonder if that would be enough to force Notre Dame to join a conference, just to avoid situations like that, if we were still in the old BCS format. It might push them that way, but I know Notre Dame is very proud to be independent. Mm-hmm. That's their that's their mantra. They're in a conference and everything else except football. They were, you know, that's that's been their thing. I mean, Penn State used to be that way until they joined the Big Ten. They were an independent team, and that used to be their sense of pride mm-hmm. before they eventually were like, okay, well, everybody's joining the conference. We may as well do it too. So, um, I don't think. I think Notre Dame will last longer in Penn State, Wilson, well, but because Penn State's a public school and mm-hmm. Notre Dame's a private school. Um, but I, I I think that might have been the case if it was BCS, but now that they got a spot with the playoff, you know, they're they're not gonna join the conference. Ryan Steeg of the Mining Journal in studio with us before we go to break. Let's just think about for a moment the eight team format if we had this year's current standings. We would have Alabama and UCF squaring off in the quarterfinals. Clemson-Michigan, the 2-7 matchup. Notre Dame against Ohio State in the 3-6. And Georgia-Oklahoma in 4-5. Which of those games would you most like to see? I'd like to see all of them. It, it's, it's, it sounds weird, mm-hmm. but honestly, the UCF game. I do, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, on paper, you know, Alabama should just steamroll them. But it's like they're finally getting their shot. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they can do with it. Can they play respectably? <laughs> mm-hmm. Can they magically pull the upset? Or can they actually, like, I don't know, play within 10 points, play within two scores, make mm-hmm. it look like, hey, we belonged here, you know, but we're not we're not good enough but to beat Alabama, but we at least deserved, like, our chance at it. So that would be the probably one I'm more intrigued with. Uh, Clemson-Michigan, because I want to see if Michigan can wake up and realize it needs to play defense mm-hmm. to, you know, beat a rival or beat a very good team. Wake up, Don Brown. <laughs> Which, honestly, I know it, Don Brown – Semifinals for the Broyles Award, not a finalist, nope. and that game is what kept it. People were thinking mm-hmm. he was a shoe in for the award, but it's like that horrible defensive performance against Ohio State. Just no, they, they basically were about to hand him the trophy, and then they pulled it away <laughs> and said, maybe ne- it. "Yeah, maybe next year, Don." But uh, yeah, I they're all intriguing games, and if you look at that slate, it's like. You need to have an eight-team playoff because mm-hmm. it's like, look how good those are. Look, look, look at the at, money you could make. Yeah, that in college football. And ultimately, Why aren't you doing this? and ultimately, that's what it always comes down to: mm-hmm. making money. And the NCAA will make money. The television networks will make money. The schools will make money. I mean, it benefits everybody. The ratings are going to be through the roof. They already are for the four-team. I mean, mm-hmm. just imagine if you add like games like Clemson and Michigan, and they mix. It's like people are going to watch and mm-hmm. and. On a side note, I would choose maybe <laughs> not days where you're playing the playoff games in the NFL to have playing your college football playoff games. Mm-hmm. Was that last year or two years ago where the ratings dropped a little bit well, because yeah. they were trying to go up against the NFL, and that was a disaster. So, But on that note, I, I don't think this should go that route. But it's eventually going to go to eight, and I think this Notre Dame appearance will help give them that extra push. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal in studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Special guest will join us on headset to break down Northern Michigan hockey's game last night. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Danner Hoops along with Ryan Stieg, beat writer for the Northern Michigan Hockey Program. We have Darren Pritchett, the radio voice for Notre Dame Fighting Irish Hockey. Darren, a quality win for the Irish. Northern, I know, is off to a tough start this season. They started the year ranked in the top 20. you got to believe this is going to be a team that, when it's all said and done, that they're going to finish up there and contend for the NCAA tournament. Fighting Irish, no question, they're going to be there come season's end. But give me your impression of what Northern Michigan has done as a hockey program over the last couple of years, certainly as they've gone in the upswing. Well, I tell you what, first of all, good to be with you guys. And we obviously missed our trips up there from the old CCHA days. That was a fun arena to go to, fun arena to call a game in. And I know you guys have passionate fans up there. And, you know, I know there's been some changes up there. I mean, it's still, to me, a program that can win. I think it would have to be one of the top programs in that conference. So I haven't been able to obviously watch them as much as we used to. They're not on TV down here, so it's really hard to get a really good feel. But obviously we have a lot of respect for what they do. And I just I just feel like in that conference they're going to be able to figure it out and get right back on track. I was watching the game pretty diligently last night, and I noticed that Kel Burke's a pretty, uh, pretty stellar player. Um, what, what does he bring to the Irish that makes him so, so special? Well, first off, Ryan, he's got great speed, and that's something Notre Dame has really changed since the CCHA days. We try to mix in more physical guys with some of the speed, but going to Hockey East and, and now in the Big Ten, You've got to have speed, or you're just going to get lapped. And he is definitely one of those guys that brings the difference-making speed. He has become a really good goal scorer for us. His freshman year, he started to find that, and then had a really serious injury and didn't get to participate in the Frozen Four. And then last year, he had really a breakout year. He just became a guy that was very nifty with the puck. He was not afraid to go around the net, even and punching some goals, and really good on the power play. So, very skilled guy. He's got the speed. They can really put a lot of pressure on the defense. We hope his brother can maybe do the same thing. He's starting to get a little more playing time now as a freshman. Hey, from a radio perspective, how do you keep track with all the family ties you've got there? you got a couple of Burks, got a couple of Steves, even got a couple of Slaggerts there in the program. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of become a family thing. It's, it's very, very unique. We didn't have many of those connections. Over the first, I don't know, 45 years of the program, and this is the 50th year of the program this year, so yeah, all of a sudden we're kind of getting these connections. So with my weird work schedule this year, I've been filling in for basketball and doing football stuff. I've only done three games, so I'm still actually learning as much as you about Cam and, and some of these new freshmen, but it's a really interesting freshman class. And I'll say this, we played Duluth earlier this year, and their freshman fours are off the chart good. I mean, they are scoring points in bunches. And we've been a really good freshman class, too. They're more growing at this particular time, trying to figure it out. And I think it's going to be important. You guys watched the game last night. Scoring is going to be more difficult for Notre Dame this year compared to the last few years. They just don't have the depth. And they're going to have to win a lot of 2-1, 3-2 games. And actually, if you look at the standings and the stats the last month or so, they've won a lot of those types of games. So offense is going to be a little more challenging. So guys like you know, Burke are going to have to really do some extra stuff to help this team get back to the tournament. What makes uh, Notre Dame's defense uh, so special this year? You know, Notre Dame used to be known kind of more on on the offensive end, but 
especially this year, fifth overall, they really did a good job stifling Northern's forwards last night. What makes them work so well? Well, it's interesting. It's been kind of a change. I think if you guys remember back, I mean, we had a lot of physical guys from the CCHA days like Stephen Johns, now the mm-hmm. stars, and just more of a physical presence. Even last year, Dennis Gilbert and Justin Wade were two physical guys that really changed the game. I mean, you saw forwards not want to go around the net when those two were on the ice. So without those two guys, I mean, it's a totally different look. It is more of a speed, more of a move the puck out of our zone quickly, trying to create transition offense. So we really don't have that big physical, wow, oh my gosh, he's on the ice, I'm not going to go near the net type guy. It's more of a speed game, being in the right spot, peaks becoming more physical, but not to the extent of a Johns or a Gilbert or a Wade. So it has been kind of interesting. It's more of a group that has a lot of experience in junior hockey. A couple of them have played together, and they have just found a... I'm actually surprised, guys, how quickly they have made the transition to college hockey. I figured the first couple of months of the year was going to be pretty tough. If we were 500, I thought that was going to be pretty good considering just the people we lost from last year's team. But the defense has been good, and, and you got two really good goaltenders and Morris and St. Cyr that could also bail you out if you get into a tough spot. And, and you guys know, if it's not for the forwards coming back and helping out with the back check, it's, it's not going to be as easy for the defensemen. So the guys that bought in, you know, I give them credit, and I think they realize they're going to have to win some of these 2-1-3-2 type games and being able to back check and doing those little things can make a big difference. Talking with Darren Pritchett, radio voice of Notre Dame Fighting Irish Hockey. Darren, I'm a little biased to the Sioux City Musketeer alumni. I spent three years over there. Guys like Nate Clerman, the Steves brothers, Matt Hellickson, who I thought had a really good game yeah. last night on defense. Tell me a little about Helly and what he's done as he's come to Notre Dame and developed. Well, it's, it's interesting. When he came last year, we pretty much had a lineup we could go with along the blue line. And he came in and right away established himself as, without a doubt, one of the best four defensemen on the roster. We had a three-year starter in Luke Ripley that didn't even play last year because of guys like Hellickson that just really improved themselves. Well, And Tony Bretzman's another example. I mean, here's a guy that could play for pretty much anybody, and now he's up there with you guys. We just hit so much depth along the blue line. And so for the fact that Hellickson came in as a freshman, pushed his way into the lineup and was an absolute regular and a guy they felt really comfortable putting on the ice. And he was a huge factor in us getting to the tournament. And he seemed to score every time we played Michigan. I mean, he had, I think, most of his goals against Michigan last year, which is not a bad thing. So, yeah, really solid player, good speed. I just think he's got really good hockey IQ. He doesn't make that big mistake that cost you. I know we had a couple of freshman defensemen decide to, pass the puck up the middle against the Lutherans this year. That, that didn't work out too well. And that's the thing with Hellison. He's not going to make that big mistake. Just one of those guys that probably is never going to get the headlines on a team, but the type of player you need in order to get the frozen fours and a chance to win the title. Speaking of Tony Bretzman, uh, you know, he's impressed quite a few people since he's been up here. What, what did you notice when he played at Notre Dame? Well, I'll say this first off. He had the best attitude because it's no fun not playing, especially when a team is going so well and winning. It's hard sitting there, and he had a great attitude, never complained. And I'm just thrilled to know that he wanted to keep playing hockey one more year, so I'm really thrilled that he's up there. Great kid. And, again, you know, he's 
he's a lot like Hellerstrom in a way. He's kind of under the radar. He's not going to score a lot. He's not going to have the bone-crunching hits. But I think he kind of falls into that category of what Notre Dame was looking for, a guy that you can rely on with a little speed and has the ability to move the puck quickly out of his zone. So I think he's a handy guy to have on your guy's hockey team, and, and I'm a big fan of his. I'm really glad he's getting a chance to play full-time because, again, he was just on the team last year. We had eight defensemen, and anybody you put on the ice, you weren't really worried about. It's just it was one of those years where we had so many guys at the same time a couple of people had to be left out, and, and Bretzman and Ripley, unfortunately, were those two guys. Uh, Grandpa Tony said last night's game was going to come down to special teams. Northern's long goal was on the power play, and what ended up putting Notre Dame over the top was a power play goal on their own part. They finally cashed in on their seventh opportunity. Is What makes the uh, Irish's special teams so potent? Well, we're really lucky. Paul Pooley was a great player at Ohio State in charge of special teams, and it has been usually a positive for this hockey team. I know the goal every game is to be plus one in special teams. And so I will say this. I figure the penalty kill is going to be a bit of an issue this year just because everybody we used was gone from last year, Jay Devon and Gilbert and Wade. So, again, that was an area I thought we're probably going to struggle for a little while until we figure it out. But they've been, they've been okay. And the power play just got a lot of skilled guys on it. You know, I hate to admit with all my other duties, I haven't seen this play in three weeks just because of the weirdness of my schedule. I actually get to call the games this weekend finally, so I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, Malmquist and Morrison and those guys, I, I have a lot of confidence in the first unit. I mean, it got puck-moving defensemen, which helped. We don't have that guy blue line like Jordy Gross last year that can put it in the back of the net, so that hurts the power play a little bit. So they just got to be able to break down the other team's unit in order to get a goal. They just don't have that explosive goal score maybe as in past years. So I, I would say it's probably going to be more challenging for the power play, but a guy like Burke, Morrison, Monkers, they're going to have to be really, really good for the team to be good on the power play. Northern being in the penalty box so often last night, Ade Tolvanen in net was standing on his head trying to bail his guys out, did a phenomenal job. But we got treated to one of the best goaltending matchups that you're going to find in college hockey between Kale Morris and Ade Tolvanen. Fans up here know what Ade can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Kale Morris. Well, Kale obviously won the Richter Award last year for the best goaltender in college hockey. Hey, he'll be the first one to tell you he had an unbelievable defense core in front of him. And our number one line last year never gave up goals because they always had the puck. I mean, they were a puck possession line led by Jake Evans, who's now in the Canadians organization. So he had a really good group in front of him. And I actually talked to a guy that's involved in scouting for the NHL. And he said a lot of teams really wanted Teal to come back this year. They wanted to see what he was going to look like without that stellar defensive core in front of him. And that's not to take anything away from him. He is a terrific goaltender, but he had a good group in front of him, and I think he's showing already this year with a very young defensive core for the most part that he is still an outstanding prospect for the next level. And I'll tell you what, guys, if, if Kale Morris would go down with an injury, Dylan St. Cyr, to me, there is not hardly any drop-off. This is a kid with doesn't have the size, but he has the quickness. He moves the puck like... Not many goaltenders I've ever seen. I know he had seven assists his last year with the developmental program. If he got the pocket, he would move it up the ice quickly when the other team was changing. So we, we're lucky to have two guys. The scale has been rock solid. 
you know, played pretty well in the national championship game, gave up a, a tough one late in the first period. But he was just the anchor of the team last year, and I'm I'm expecting he'll be probably that same guy this year. In fact, they're probably going to rely on him more this year just because the goal scoring, it's not going to come as easy as the last couple of years. Well, Notre Dame football has gotten a reputation the last few years as somewhat of a tight end university with the great products they put out. You had Cal Peterson, of course, with his great years at Notre Dame, now making strides into the NHL, just made his debut with the Kings. Dylan St. Cyr and Cale Morris were battling about three weeks into the season last year. We didn't know yeah. who a true starter was, and like you alluded to, there's so much talent there. Is that starting to become an identity for Notre Dame, strong goaltending, no matter who you put in? Boy, I hope so. I know they just signed the USHL goaltender of the year. He'll be coming in next year. Obviously, Cale's a junior. He'll, he'll probably head to the pro ranks, but you know, even before Peterson, we had some good goaltenders that just didn't make it to the NHL. Jordan Pierce was a guy with the Red Wings who was with Rain Rapids for a couple of years, but just never was able to make that jump. So I'm hoping Cal kind of starts a really good trend. Cal was the first Notre Dame goaltender to ever play in the NHL. And with Morris coming along, and again, I'm a big fan of St. Cyr, I'm hoping you're right. Hopefully it is like Tyler Eifert and Kyle Rudolph and all those guys from the Notre Dame tight ends that have made a name for themselves. Well, Jeff Jackson is a guy that was a goaltender in Michigan State and spent a lot of time with the goaltenders. So they've got a great instructor to help them become better goaltenders. And, you know, Jeff leans a little bit more toward defense. And, you know, his defenseman will normally take care of the goaltenders. So it's a really, really good spot. And Peterson is truly one of the great kids that have that come through the program. I put Andrews Lee at the top of the list in terms of my favorite guys to be around, just in terms of who he is as a person and as a player. And, and Cal Peterson is right there with Andrews. And I think he's got a heck of an opportunity with the Kings with their top two goalies down for a little while. He's got a chance to show himself. He, he bypassed Buffalo. He wanted to go to the Kings because their goalie coach has really done an amazing job of developing guys like Martin Jones. Even if guys didn't end up with the Kings, they went elsewhere. So he's got a great opportunity to take his game to the next level, getting with the Kings organization. And it appears to be you know, a pretty good decision, even though the Sabres are playing really well right now, winning 10 in a row. I think what he's learning in the Kings organization is going to set the stage for even bigger things for Cal in the future. You know, last year Notre Dame made it you know, to the Frozen Four National Championship game, just came up a little short. Do you feel like this team has the capability to making a run like that, or is that going to be more of a next year kind of thing? Well, I never want to say never because because we beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Minnesota Duluth got into the tournament. If we lost, they don't even get into the tournament. So I feel like we should get some rings from Minnesota Duluth. <laughs> we did the same thing with Yale a few years ago. We beat Michigan. They got in as the last seed, and they won the tournament. So we're really just a giving program for whatever reason. But now, so back to your question, I came into this season knowing what we lost. This is my expectation, not the coaches of the program. I felt like if they could sneak into the tournament, it would be a very successful year because I was just concerned where the goal scoring was going to come from, and there's just so much youth along the blue line. Well, they've kind of proven me wrong. They've done a really, really nice job. The goal scoring still is a, a bit of a problem. So, I mean, guys, I'll say this. If they make the tournament, I think it's going to be a successful year. And as you know, if you get in, Anything can happen. I mean, rarely does the best team, it seems like, win the championship. Maybe Denver two years ago, that's probably an exception. But anymore, 
if you get in, you get the right draw, you get hot at the, you know, the right time, it can work out for you. I, and I don't mean to be biased. I hope most college people that follow this would, would say this. But Notre Dame was one of the best two or three teams last year from start to finish. And there's Duluth that lost at the semifinals in the third place game in their conference tournament, but yet they turned it around and won. So the best team doesn't always win, so that's why I don't want to say never, ever, ever could they be that type of team. Because if you get in, my goodness, stranger things can happen. I, I truly believe at some point Notre Dame's going to win a title. It's like the Cubs. If you keep knocking on the door, eventually you're going to win one. And it probably is not going to be one of the best teams. The best teams, is, for some reason, it's hard to win the whole thing. I don't know if it's expectation. So it might be that sneaky team that gets in sometime, possibly runs the table, and finally wins that national championship. Darren Pritchett, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish radio voice on headset with us. Darren, before we let you go, we got a lot of listeners up here who care about Sparty, care about the Wolverines. Tell me a little yep. about the Big Ten and how that's shaping out in the early going. <laughs> it's, it is absolutely brutal. There's just not a weekend off. I didn't get to go to the Michigan State Series, but again, that was two low-scoring, close games. Spartans are going to get back. There's no doubt about that. I know Coach Jackson's a big fan of that coaching staff, and he really feels like in a couple of years that's going to be a great program. And You know, I, I haven't seen Michigan either. I had to miss that series, but I'm really surprised they are got off to such a slow start with such a, a talented group coming back. Now, I don't know the details. Like I said, I haven't seen them play, but, I mean, the Hughes kid is just a difference maker. And you have to game plan around the way he handles the puck, so... I fully suspect Ohio State still the cream of the crop in the Big Ten for hockey. I mean, I would have put Michigan number two, and I wouldn't put much between Ohio State and Michigan. But Notre Dame, I kind of felt like they're in the middle of the pack. They might be there with Penn State, maybe Wisconsin. So I guess I kind of felt like I had lower expectations for this year. I guess I do, by the way, I've talked to you guys. But I still feel like the depth of that conference, it's just going to be tough to win three or four games in a row. So it's, it's tough on Michigan State as they're rebuilding to be in a league where every single time out there just isn't a gimme victory. And I don't call Michigan State a gimme victory. They've improved a lot since the new coaching staff has, has taken over. Coach Cole's going to get that thing going again. There's no doubt about that. So not easy. I mean, Minnesota's going to be back. I mean, you have a feeling with that new coaching staff there might be some new life in that program. So... I kind of feel for Michigan State to try to get this thing back on track, and there's just not a whole home way to, to get a victory. you really got to earn it this week. So I know the NCHC is winning all the titles right now, and you know what? They deserve all the credit, but the Big Ten's not a pushover to get three teams in the Frozen Four last year was, was pretty doggone cool. Just the, the team that wasn't from the Big Ten unfortunately got that title, but I, I, I tell you what, I'm thrilled to be in the Big Ten. I love the CCHA. I didn't enjoy hockey East, but I absolutely love the Big Ten. Great facilities, great fans, great teams. And it's just a lot of fun going to these venues in the Big Ten. You get a challenge every single night. Darren Pritchett, radio voice of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish Hockey Squad. Join us on the sports pen. Darren, thanks so much for taking the time. Looking forward to the rest of this hockey season. Maybe catch up down the road sometime. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to actually calling college hockey this week, and I'm, I'm kind of fired up. I've missed it. But, guys, really enjoyed talking to you. All the best to everybody up there. And, and uh, anytime, give me a buzz. Enjoy talking to you. Thanks again, Darren. We'll come back. We'll have more coming up in the sports pen after this on ESPN-UP. 
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Bet is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only the Jibwa Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon, joined by Ryan Stieg, Darren Pritchett, radio voice of Notre Dame, finding Irish hockey, kind enough to join us earlier in the show. Good game from Northern last night. They battled hard against the defending national runner-ups and Big Ten champions, but... Fall 2-1 to one in overtime in South Bend. Just couldn't stay out of the penalty box. That ultimately was what did them in. They, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their defense is playing pretty well. Tolvano was standing on his head. It's what he's been doing pretty much all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, I mean, Notre Dame's offense isn't as potent as it's been in past, no. but they're, they're more of a defensive team this year, but they still were able to weather the spoon for the most part. But you can't keep playing with fire, and that's what they did. That Loggins penalty was really, really bad. And overtime, that you know, it just—I <laughs> I, I still, I still can't believe he did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've watched the replay so many times. I mean, he threw himself <laughs> at a guy crossing the blue line and hit him with his elbow. I mean, that's every ref's going to call that. I mean, there's some old school guys who are going to be like, "Well, that wasn't that bad." Well. No, you can't hit a guy in the face <laughs> with your elbow, and especially right in front of the referee. So it's it was a bad decision on Logan's part. It did them in in the end, and which is unfortunate because for the most part, I thought Northern actually played pretty well. It was, played a great game. Yeah, when they were when they were a five on five team or they were on the power play, mm-hmm. they actually looked pretty good. They skated with a top ten team, one yeah, of the best in the country. Very much so, and uh, but mental errors is what cost them the game. How about Darren Craighead's goal in the waning moments of the second period? That changed the whole complexion of the game. It did. It uh, it changed Northern's fortunes. Uh, I was watching it, and I thought it was going to go in the period, and it was still going to be a 1-0 Notre Dame lead. I was like, okay, this is either going to be a 1-0 game the rest of the you know way, and you're like, why did I watch all this? Because it was just it's going to come to the conclusion that had already been determined. Um, but it's. Craighead's goal was, well, it was really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a rocket that he sent over Kale Morris, and Morris didn't even see he it. He had no it, chance. Yeah, he just watched the crowd reaction, basically, is what he did. So it was it was a cool thing for, you know, Craighead, who's off to a great start this year. Um, he's kind of, <clears throat> I don't know if he's, let's say, stolen the go-to player role from Loggins, but with Loggins' slow start, he's more than fulfilled that role. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, I think he's going to have a good rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, penalty box is what messed them up, and uh, they can't afford to do that. Uh, the good thing is is they have 10 days off to prepare for Michigan Tech, um, maybe rest up any injuries they have, uh, get mentally refocused, and because uh, now it's all conference games from mm-hmm. this point on. And these are the ones that... I mean, they all count, but these are the ones that really, truly count because it determines your pairing in the conference, whether you're going to make the conference, you know, tournament, are you going to play at home, you know, can you make that run? Um, A lot of questions still need to be answered. Um, I think you'll have a better picture of where this team will be when it goes into the Christmas break. There's still two weekends left before then. Um, They got their home-and-home attack and their home series against Ferris State, so... uh, Still a lot of things to be determined, but uh, Northern needs to, that offense needs to find something. 
They came in 54th out of 60 this weekend into the Notre Dame game. They got to get something going. I know Grant is mind boggled. He doesn't understand why the offense isn't working right now. I don't understand why the offense isn't working right now, especially with the capabilities they have. But I don't know. Maybe they'll kick it into gear. One last point on the Notre Dame game from last night. We got to see two of the best goaltenders mm-hmm. in the country, two guys I believe should be finalists for the Richter Award this season, Anate Tolvin in battle, Kale Morris. I've seen Ate for the last few months up here. I covered Kale when he was a Waterloo Blackhawk. I watched him win the Richter last season. That was a lot of fun to get to see those two go up against each other, and they put on a show. Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, <laughs> two, good, you know, two good offensive teams were, sh- you know, pretty much shut down by two very good goaltenders it uh that was fun to see um i thought it would be coming down to a defensive affair um you know and tolvin would have to be at his best and you know kill morris maybe not necessarily like at his 100 percent top game like he'd have to be in the frozen four but he'd have to be you know at very least 90 percent mm-hmm. <laughs> you know to be able to get a win and they both were playing well ate just ended up on the short end well, how about uh, we look ahead to conference play? They've got the home-and-home home coming up with Michigan Tech, as you alluded to, home next Friday, on the road at Houghton on Saturday. That series is going to be a lot of fun. Those two get up for each other. It'll be my first experience for those two schools going at each other on the ice. I can't wait. It's a, it's, it's a fun atmosphere. Uh, from, you know, when I started covering this team, you know, the Tech games were the only sellouts, mm-hmm. and they're going to be a sellout again, as they always are. But... Um, you know, I I I think there's going to be some anticipation more. There's the revenge game. Northern, uh, it still sticks to Northern that they lost on their home ice when a chance to make the NCAA tournament um, would have most likely played Notre Dame in the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, and I think would have probably fared better in Tech did. Um, it, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Both teams get up for it. Um, I think Northern's going to come in more amped for that game than they typically are simply because of last season's result and they're struggling right now and there's nothing better to get you back on track than beating your rival Mm -hmm. and uh so i think they'll be up for it and uh i'm looking forward to it i'm hoping i will finally be back in the press box (laughs) for that game next week um live and in person i've been basically trying to watch on tv and on flow sports and trying to give my analysis um i hope people have appreciated that i've done the best i can so but i'm hoping that i will be actually physically present at the game next week <laughs> ryan Steig of the mining journal in studio with us we'll take our last break we'll come back we'll finish this thing off with everything you need to know miscellaneous style in the world of sports after this on espn up Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibla Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Ryan Steeg, Northern Michigan men's hockey beat writer, and represented from the Mining Journal. Well, play still to go over that's happened in the last news cycle since we've been on here. I tell you what, a lot of it centers around football, though. You could start anywhere with Reuben Foster being picked up by Washington three days after his release from the 49ers after being arrested for domestic assault. You have the Blake Bortles situation down in Jacksonville. 
You've got coaches on the move. Joe Flacco is being benched for Lamar Jackson. I mean, where do you want to start? We can pick through any of those. Yeah, uh, well, the, we can start with the quarterbacks because, uh, you know, that's what people love to focus on. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Joe Flacco, what a dive that guy's taken. What a yeah. dive of a career that guy's taken from Super Bowl MVP to being benched in favor of Lamar Jackson. Who yep. <laughs> people thought should be a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And has actually shown that he's the quarterback that he was when he won the Heisman. He's showing really, he's showing what he can really do. And uh, that's got a sting for Joe Flacco, though. What a, a guy who was once seen as the debate was, is he elite? Mm-hmm. To now, like, is his career done? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of sad how it's gone. I wonder if Lamar Jackson can turn the Ravens around. They're right there. They're right on the bubble right now. If he can turn him around and get him into the postseason, will that be enough to save John Harbaugh's job? Uh, I think the only thing that'll save his job would be if they were to get in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the thing is, is winning a Super Bowl can only last you so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you won it like the previous year or the previous two years. He won it back in 2013. Mm-hmm. So that was five years ago. And, I mean, like a Mike McCarthy, he won the Packers the Super Bowl, but... He's probably going to be gone at the and end. His of the was year. a lot longer. And his was a lot longer before the yeah. So it's your your good graces only last so long unless you're winning him repeatedly or one every couple of years. You know it's you know you're not going to last long. And uh, I think Lamar Jackson leading them to the playoffs is the only thing that saves John Harbaugh. How about over in Jacksonville? Blake Bortles has been benched for Cody Kessler. I don't like this move to be honest with you. I don't either. I don't, I really don't. I know that. Blake Bortles leaves a lot to be desired, but his numbers compared to last season when he took him to the AFC Championship are pretty comparable. I mean, he's doing about the same things. It's not his fault that his defense decided to just let the bottom completely fall out from one season to the next. I have never seen a defense just implode in such a short amount of time. When you set up a defense like Jacksonville had last year, <laughs> implode in a very short period of time. There. I'll, Sorry, I'll Don that, Brown. Yeah, I'll get that joke out of the way. But, yeah, you know, I haven't seen that either. I mean, to go from, you know, all the talk about Jacksonville this year is, is this team, could they win the AFC mm-hmm. based on the skill of their defense? And would Blake, be, Blake Bortles be one of those quarterbacks that wins a Super Bowl despite not really being a part of the team? They you beat know, like, the Patriots this year. Yeah, they beat them. You know, they were seen as – Maybe the front runner. It wasn't until the Chiefs started to catch fire mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, I, I don't know what happened. I, you know, and all their trash talk before the season mm-hmm. um, is basically blown in their face. So I, I, I think Blake Bortles still deserves the job. I, I mean, ca- casual football fan. Who's Cody Kessler? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know him because I watched Notre Dame play him at USC for how mm-hmm. long. Yeah. But you can't tell me Cody Kessler's better than Blake Bortles. You can't tell me you're upgrading at the quarterback or this is going to be the end all. That's all that's going to fix your problems. Yeah, yeah, that that this is going to turn your season and get you into the playoffs mm-hmm. and all that. It's not. This is this is almost like a panic move. Mm-hmm. Like things aren't going our way, so maybe what we need to do is you know switch our quarterbacks around. When the quarterback, I mean Blake Bortles isn't the greatest quarterback, no, but, but he's, he's capable. He's capable. He gives you a chance to win games. I thought he played better last year. He had the previous few years in his career, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's not the right move. I feel like they're trying to shake things up. To, and it's not maybe what they need to do. It's I don't know. It, it's almost 
it's, it's like a panic mode. They're trying to change something that maybe doesn't need to be changed just to change fortunes. I wonder how much of it Doug Marone is trying to shift off himself, at least get the blame away from him, and pit it on Bortles and Nathaniel Hackett, the now-fired offensive coordinator, who I thought called a great game last year in the AFC <laughs> Championship. I don't think those two should be shouldering as much blame as they are. And I'm not trying to hype up Blake Bortles. I mean, he's an average quarterback at best. And if you have the chance to upgrade from him, please do. <laughs> but it's not his fault the Jaguars are imploding this year. Yeah, it's, you know, you don't blame the guy who's, you know, doing his job. I mean, he's mm-hmm. Blake Bortles is not on himself going to lead you to a Super no. Bowl. He, Blake Bortles is going to do enough good things to get you into the postseason and everybody else is going to have to contribute to to be able to get you a title and he that's just what his abilities are and what he's shown it's cody kessler is not going to turn your fortunes around and uh, i i it it confuses me because i mean even if you aren't i mean you know in general who blake bortles is Mm -hmm. even the most casual football fan but you know cody kessler i mean it's not like you're going from like it's not like you're going from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Like no. people know who Lamar Jackson is, mm-hmm. and whereas Cody, people don't know who Cody Kessler is. It's like, you know, sometimes when you bench like the hot young star for the crafty veteran, <laughs> who's wait, you know, whose time has passed but can maybe get that magic, you know, to you, you know, that makes sense. But this, not a fan. Ryan Stieg, the NMU hockey beat writer in studio with us. I had a wild idea yesterday, okay. and I don't know if it will ever come true, but I kind of hope it does. Now that Jacksonville's offensive coordinator position is open, which I don't think should have happened in the first place, but it is, why not Cliff Kingsbury? Why not bring him in from Texas Tech? We know how good of an offensive mind he is. Let him work with Blake Bortles and try to bring out the best in him. Blake showed potential in college. He showed it at times in the NFL. Kingsbury has developed quarterbacks really well. His problem why he got fired is because his teams couldn't play defense. But he's Which an is a Big 12 guy. thing. Exactly. It's a Big 12 thing. And that still wasn't enough for him to keep his job at Texas <laughs> Tech. But he's developed great quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. People forget Baker Mayfield was at Texas Tech for a time with Cliff Kingsbury before leaving for Oklahoma. He has developed two first-round draft picks in this past year. Why not give him a chance to call plays for Blake Bortles and see if you can re-spark it? I, I like that idea because I think – Kingsbury deserves a shot in the NFL. He's an offensive mind. I mean, it gets thrown around like, you know, offensive genius sometimes gets thrown around or defensive genius, mm-hmm. you know. But he's he's actually shown he can develop quarterbacks. He can call good plays. You know, it's just Texas Tech's always going to be that also-ran team in the Big 12. You know, they'll, they'll have some good years, but they're not Oklahoma. No. You, know, they're, you know, they had that year with Michael Crabtree, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of fun. But, you know, they're always going to be that team that finishes, you know, third or fourth or something like that. So it would be a good step for him. I, 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 it's not his fault that uh, his team was opposed to be playing defense, you know, mm-hmm. when they were on the field. So I, I think it would be a great thing for Jacksonville, and I think it would be a good fit for him too. Last thing before we have to sign off, Jeff Brom, it's been reported that he is going to take the head coaching position at Louisville and that he's going to be leaving Purdue. My question is why? are They they have to be offering him a very, very lucrative contract because he's just built something really special at Purdue. He's got him bowl eligible. They picked up a huge win over Ohio State this year. Is it an upgrade to go to a program like Louisville that just finished 2-10? and 10? 
I don't think it is. No. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, he's got maybe some ties to the school, but yeah. unless they're throwing a big pile of money at him, I mean, Purdue's already playing him pretty handsomely, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, and you're going from the Big Ten to Louisville. You know, it's like you got Big Ten money, you got a lot of. You've got this renewed interest in football. I mean, Purdue's got a pretty loyal football fan base. They're mm-hmm. they've known for having pretty good teams. I mean, Drew Brees' teams come to mind, stuff like that. And Kyle Orton, you can laugh at him in the NFL, but he was a good college quarterback. A lot of guys turn out to be that way. <laughs> but uh, it's just you know, I I don't see why you'd leave. I've been to Purdue. It's a mm-hmm. nice campus. It is a nice I, campus. Yeah, I uh, you know, it's I just don't see why you'd leave. I mean, unless they're giving him a lot of money, I don't see it. Well, and those reports have not been confirmed. Those are still unconfirmed reports, but we're hearing more and more that Jeff Brom may be heading to Louisville. I can't think of any reason other than financial gain why he would want to leave a program that he's building so well over at Purdue because he's got talent there. He's probably got more talent at Purdue right now than he does at Louisville, and he's building up that program the right way. You know, they started off poorly this year. They got the big win against Ohio State. They got bowl eligible after an 0-3 start. I mean, he's doing everything right over there right now. I just don't know why he'd want to leave that. Yeah, a lot of positive things going there, a lot of positive vibes to go to a team that is very negative right now. They just dumped Bobby Petrino, mm-hmm. you know, who's a complete mess of a head coach. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, but Louisville, you know, you look at their basketball program, there's a lot of negative stuff about yeah. Louisville. And it's like you have something positive, something going your way, people are feeling good. Why would you leave for something potentially even worse unless they're giving you a lot of money? You made Wolverine football fans upset with all your Don Brown jokes. Now you just made the Spartan basketball fans upset by bringing up Louisville and their overtime win last night. <laughs> well, I can't, you know, I, I like Don Brown, but come on. You're, You're a not, journalist, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't be nice all the time. Ryan Steig from the Mining Journal in studio with us. As always, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here on a Wednesday. See you again on Friday. Sounds good. All right, Tanner Hoops with you in the Sports Pen Wednesday afternoon. Signing off from ESPN-UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.